Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Amen. Good to see all of you. How are you this morning? Who got to sleep in a little bit? Church is a little bit later today. Anyone? 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 Not so much. Everybody else still needs some sleep and coffee. You'll get that later on. So, hey, I'm so glad that you're here and such a, such a great day to be here. I'm like, I'm like so excited, not only because it's church day, but also because I finally feel like, well, and it's Easter, of course. Yeah. And, and it's like spring. It feels like spring. Like anybody excited about that? Yes. Like true Midwesterners, we celebrate spring as just the, the dawn of a new day and the gray scows, clouds are probably gone and the skies will clear and the sun will come through. Um, we, are, uh, we are excited about spring. I, I brought in the spring yesterday, or the season of spring yesterday, optimistically by playing golf. And first time I played golf this year, played with my dad. I finished even, so that's pretty awesome. Any golfers in the house? Any, any golfers? That sounds pretty good, right? Sounds even. Well, I keep score probably a little different than most people. Um, uh, the way that I, I don't keep score like by amount of strokes because that would be horrible for my ego. So what I do is I just count how many balls that I've lost compared to those that I found. And I lost two and I found two, so I was even at the end of my round. It worked out pretty well that way and, uh, and it's good. It makes me feel good about myself, not thinking about how bad I am at golf, which is Apparently a lot worse than what it used to be, because it was a bad day for that yesterday. Oh, speaking of golf, and and I know, Brian, you you brought the dad joke earlier, so I'm going to bring another one, just see how we do, all right? Let's see how they compare. You guys can be the judge, and you can tell me after the service. Um, So here's the thing. I I just want to just ask you this question. So it's a golf-related thing, but you'll get this. So, all right, so here goes. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, I believe you're ready. So here's the thing. Why did, the, why did the golfer bring an extra pair of socks when he wanted to go play golf? That, that is the proper question, just in case he got a hole in one. So that's why, you know. You see, here's the thing. I know, it's a very predictable response. Some of you are like, wah, 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 and I get that because you, you expected something a little bit bigger, maybe a better delivery, or you're, maybe you heard it before. And some of you are surprised because you're like, wow. Did he think that was funny? And you're like, did he? And then some of you are like, you're, you're surprised to think you're like, oh, maybe he's kind of funny. And then some of you are in the middle to where you just kind of laughed because it, you, you just felt bad for me because you thought maybe I did think it was funny. So you're like, you know, you just never know. You see, what I found is this. Sometimes laughter also lets you know, uh, or like there's a connection between laughter and surprise. So here's what I mean. So like if... In that instance, right? So some of you thought I was funny. You're like, surprisingly funny. So you're like, ha, 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 ha. And it was genuine. You laughed with me. Some of you had like a sarcastic laugh because you were surprised because it was a lame joke. And you're like, ha, 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 ha. Why am I laughing? Right? And you just got over it. And, and yet, so there's, there's obviously a connection between the two, obviously, between uh, being surprised and jokes, particularly bad jokes. 
And, and also in there, some of you just have that awkward silence, like, I don't know where he's going with this. Sometimes we just cure awkward silence because maybe we're surprised by the silence, so we cure awkward silence with just random laughter. You ever been around that person? It's like, random, you're just, it's a silent room, and you're like, ha, 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 ha. And you're like, nobody said anything. I have no idea. I have no idea why you're laughing right now. Sometimes, and I'm not even saying that, that we're all guilty of this, but some of us are. Some of us... We, we should feel bad about the things that we laughed at because there's a surprising e- ending at the end of a video. We watch a video, maybe we're caught in a video, and we, don't ex- we just like watch somebody walking down steps, and then all of a sudden in the video, they fall down the steps. And then you laugh, and then you think to yourself, I am a horrible person. And then you replay the video and watch it again, just in case there was something else there. See, we all have this connection between surprise and laughter. But I want to bring you some good news. Anybody need some good news this morning? Anyone? Anyone? If you need good news, say, I need some good news. news. Say it like you believe it. I need some good news. All right. It's not your fault. Okay? It's not your fault. As a matter of fact, you can blame all of your issues on your parents. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. But it's not your fault. Here's what I mean. The reason why we have a confusion when it comes to laughter and surprise is this. It goes back to this thing. Anybody know what this is? Jack in the box. Whose childhood was scarred because of a jack in the box? I don't know. A couple things about a jack in the box. I'm convinced that a dad created the jack in the box. I'm convinced of this. Yes, I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that at the same time the dad thought it was a great idea, let's let's make this little box that makes a creepy noise, and and then when you least expect it, this thing pops out and scares the children. I know that a dad, it just had to be true that a dad created this. And I also believe this, that there was a mom who was sitting out of the mix, but yet aware of what was going on. And the mom was saying, honey, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's going to scare the children. I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, oh, they're going to love it. He says, eventually, we're going we're gonna to be able to talk our kid, our, our, whatever, little Billy, your little kid, talk them out of like going to bed with their teddy bear. And then they get to go to sleep with their little jack-in-the-box. And maybe they get a little surprise in the middle of the night. And then you get a little surprise in the middle of the night because they went to bed. I don't know how it happens at your house. I'm just saying it's in the realm of possibilities. We have this kind of disconnection at times with laughter and surprise. And ultimately, sometimes we just have a disconnect when it comes to surprise. Because some of us, we simply don't want to be surprised. Because maybe we've had just like bad surprises. So we're like, okay, I I have this disconnect on when it comes to even being surprised at all. Like, for instance, we know that surprise can be good and surprise can be bad, can't we? We know that it's tax time, and if you go into having your tax preparer to do your taxes and you're expecting bad news, and they just tell you you even break even, right? Or they tell you, or like, oh, you don't owe this year. That's a pleasant surprise, is it not? But yet, ladies, if you go into your hairstylist and you just say, I want to cut in color just like last time, and you walk out looking like Mr. T, i.e. you have a mohawk, that's a bad surprise, is it not? It would be a bad surprise for me because I go in and I know exactly what I want. I want a number one on the sides and back. I want a blended at the top and I want a hard part. That, I mean, that, I just know this. I, just, I figure I'm just helping the hairstylist, my, my barber, to cut my hair. I go in with the news. If I have something else, which I've had bad haircuts, that's a surprise you don't want. 
In the middle of the passage we're going to see today is we're going to see the gamut of emotion with this surprise. And we're not going to see men who are laughing necessarily, but what we're going to see is in their story, I think also is part of our story. Because you see just the gamut of surprise as we jump into Luke 24. We're going to see there's two men who are surprised. First, we're going to see a low, but then we're going to see this exceedingly high point of surprise in their life. And what we're going to do is we're going to follow and kind of pan their journey down and then up. And what we're going to see is, I believe, our own lives in the mix of this. So Luke 24, verse 13, is where we're going to begin. Right in the New Testament, Luke is the author, the biographer, if you will, of this particular book of the Bible. And he writes in such a way to help us to, to just see Jesus and to experience what it was was happening in the passage to help us to be connected uh, in, in a human form, be connected with the Bible. So verse 13, as we jump in, what we're going to see is this is, these are some of the events that happened right after the resurrection. What was portrayed to you at the beginning of the service, what the ladies coming in had heard this news about, about this resurrection, and then there was just this this conversation that was going on, and then they go in and to offer an, just an offering to Jesus to anoint his body as part of the burial system. And, and then they're shocked to find out that Jesus is not there. These are some of the events that happened later. Verse 13 through 24. Let's jump in. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. This is a key point because they're actually walking away from Jerusalem an hour, maybe a two-hour walk in the wrong direction. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from the epicenter of hope. They're walking away from the portal of peace. They're walking away from the place that not only Jesus died, but also that Jesus resurrected because it was around the surrounding area around Jerusalem. And they're walking away because they had heard these, these stories. Maybe they thought they were rumors, and they didn't know what to think. So they're actually walking away from Jesus and walking away from hope and peace. They're talking amongst themselves. But notice in verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. This is a key part of the passage as well because right after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to several people immediately after and he kept them from being able to recognize him. Now, very soon after that, they would recognize him. Many people would, and we're going to see this a little later in the passage. But let's continue. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were sad. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus says, and I believe very playfully in verse 19, he says, What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to the priest and our rulers handed him over to, the, to be sentenced to death, Excuse me, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us 
that he had seen that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So these two men they were they were surprised, and this was a low point for them. They were surprised because they expected something different. Perhaps they expected that Jesus would not have actually gone to the cross at all. Maybe they expected that Jesus's, maybe they had an expectation for Jesus to be resurrected, but yet it would happen in some glamorous way that just revealed it maybe in that moment. We don't know exactly what was going on inside them at that moment, but what we do know is this. We know that they have a very human response to something they're struggling with. And they, just like you and I, we have to decide how we're going to live our life in the middle of hopes and dreams and crushing loss. We have to decide how we're going to live our life in between our hopes and dreams and crushing loss. For them, it's a matter of crushing loss because they expected something else and this is a surprise that they did not want. But I love how... Even in this, Jesus recognizes the, the weight and the emotion that these men have. And we're going to press into that in a second. He recognizes that. But notice how he addresses them in verse 19. He says, what things? In other words, they're having this conversation and Jesus just does like a Jesus thing. And he just kind of like walks along with them. They don't know it's Jesus, but they think he's just a man. And he says, what things? A way for us to understand this, I think, a little bit better is to, is to put it more into something um, in our context. Say you're a Bears fan. And say you being a Bears fan and the Bears, I know this is so far outside of the realm of possibilities, but say the Bears won the Super Bowl, right? Just, let's just say they even had the ability to win the Super Bowl. Let's say that they had a team that was good. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm not a Bears fan. You can probably tell. But say you're a Bears fan, and the Bears won the Super Bowl. But not only did they win the Super Bowl, that the Super Bowl was actually held at Soldier Field. And say not only the Bears won the Super Bowl at Soldier Field, but say that immediately after they won the Super Bowl, that they had the parade, the, the, the patented Super Bowl parade, and they were parading down Michigan Avenue with all of the, all the fanfare, and everybody's excited, everybody's got their bear stuff on, and like they're just celebrating, the whole city's going crazy. But just imagine, if you will, that there's two men who are walking away from Michigan Avenue and all of these things going on, and they're just like all caught up in the moment and yet there's a guy who's just like a straggler, and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, isn't this amazing? The Bears won the Super Bowl first time since 1985. Like, I think this team may have been able to beat, you know, the, to beat like the Fridge and McMahon and all the greats from 19. Just think about all this. And just imagine if that man looked at him and he says, wow, there was a Super Bowl in Chicago today? That's the kind of engagement that Jesus is having because these men are so caught up in the moment and everybody around there knew what was going on because Jesus' death was public. Because many of them thought that he was the Messiah, that he was, gonna, he was just going to be the reigning ruler and just continue on and he was going to bring about some the, the messianic reign and he was going to be like a conquering king. And yet what they saw at the cross is he was the suffering servant. 
At the same time, he's also the king of kings. So when he says in verse 19, what things, he understands what they feel. So they dialogue back with Jesus and they say about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. He said, I just didn't, I didn't think it was going to turn out that way. What's remarkable to me is Jesus is having this conversation with them and, and they're kept from being able to see who it is. But I want to share with you two different passages of Scripture just so you know that Jesus did reveal himself after the resurrection. As a matter of fact, there's no one who can seriously contend against the reality of the resurrection because what I'm about to read to you. 1 John 15, 1-8 says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. In other words, Paul's saying this is the most important thing. Remember this, remember this, remember this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of his brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living. This was written a couple decades after the resurrection. So the people are still alive. Then he appeared to James. That's Jesus' half-brother. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born or one born out of time because he actually came to Christ at a later point. Jesus' half-brother James was even convinced that Jesus was God. How hard would it be for you to convince your siblings that you are even a good person for your whole life. That you had no flaws, that you had no sin in your life. How hard would it be? It would be impossible because they know you. And because they've known you for your whole life. Even Jesus' half-brother, who he knew for his whole life, believed that Jesus was God. And Jesus, in what we read in, at the beginning of this passage, Jesus revealed himself to more it wasn't just insiders. Jesus revealed himself after the crucifixion, after he resurrected. He revealed himself in bodily form to be recognized by people, by over 500 people at the same time. That's why the resurrection cannot be seriously contended even by people who choose not to follow Jesus. Verse 20 says something else, not only about the resurrection of Jesus, but also offers hope. For the resurrection of those of us who are in Christ. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. That's the man of Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. 
So not only do we see this, uh, this truth about the, the resurrection of Jesus, there's also an offer of hope for the resurrection of those who would commit their lives to Jesus. Back to the original passage. This conversation with the two disciples, it reveals three different emotions, very human emotions. First, we see it is in verse 17. When Jesus said, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Notice the, the, the posture of their body. They were walking, this engagement with Jesus, they stand still and immediately, what does it say in the passage next? Their face was downcast. So they're, they're having a bit of sadness. They're having a bit of sadness. Also, we see in verse 21, you see why they're sad, and also you see confusion here, but you see why they're sad in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem Israel. And what is more is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't even find his body. So they're disappointed because they thought that Jesus was going to bring this fulfillment, like he was going to be a military leader and overthrow the Romans, and everything was going to be different, and the, and the Israelites would shine again like they had once been shining and not be oppressed by the Romans. Verse 22 through 24, we see what they're confused about. They're confused because now they're hearing these rumors or these stories about things that happened to Jesus, and and like, he died, we saw that he died, but now they're saying he resurrected, and we don't know what to think, and now there's a bit of confusion. Am I right or am I wrong? These are very human responses in life. When you and I are in the middle of, of hopes and dreams and crushing loss, we experience sadness, we experience disappointment, and we experience confusion. The good news is this, Jesus Christ wants to meet you in the middle of all of that. He wants to be with you. When you're surprised by his grace, when he wants to meet you when you're, you have a surprise and you have a windfall in your life and you have a blessing, he wants to be there at your high points and he also wants to be there at your lowest low and he wants to be in the middle ground. He wants to be with you, he wants to commune with you just as he's communing with these two people. But they're surprised. But they're about to get the surprise of a lifetime. So we've seen the, the surprising low, and we're about to see the surprising high. And we know that the surprises, they don't always go well, do they? They don't always go well. I heard a story about a man who planned a surprise party for his girlfriend. Somehow, accidentally, he invited her ex-boyfriend to said party. And he came. Can you imagine? One word to describe that event, awkward could be. Perhaps it's a group of coworkers where they just want to, they just want to bless their boss. It's boss's day. They've ignored him. And, you know, and, and they're like, we just want to ignore him up to that point. But it's boss's day. We want to bless the boss. They don't really know the boss, and they also don't know that he has a peanut allergy. But they want to bless him, and we're going to have a cake. Let's, let's bless him. And then somehow something gets put where he's actually allergic to said cake, but he takes a bite of said cake, and then he doesn't get to be there for the rest of his party because he's on his way to the ER because he didn't have an EpiPen. Or maybe you heard this, and this is, this is tragic. Uh, I'm glad this didn't happen. 
with my bride and I, um, it would have been really bad, but maybe it's the man who planned a surprise proposal for his girlfriend, and he's, it's a crowded restaurant, and they let the, the waiter and the maitre d' and everybody know, and it's like it's nice, all done up. They're all, all fixed up in this nice meal, and he's got the ring, and everything's set, and he's coordinated when it's going to happen, and he gets on one knee, and everybody's looking in like, oh, this is amazing. We're going to be here for this proposal. She's going to say yes. However, He says what he's going to say, and she says no. Not a surprise he's looking for. She runs outside of the restaurant embarrassed. He stands there and says, I don't know, check please. I don't know what you say in that moment. I'm just thankful it didn't happen to me. And yet sometimes we're, we're surprised and we shouldn't be surprised. Because sometimes we're surprised when we actually get the consequences of our own actions. And we stand surprised. We're like, I can't believe this happened to me. I'm like, you did this to you. Like, you did that. God meets you in that. Maybe that's your disappointment. Maybe that's, that's the point of your sadness. Maybe that's your confusion. But Jesus will meet you there. Surprises can go either way. We're, we're about to see these men get the surprise of a lifetime. Back into the word of God, verse 25 through 35. It says this. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ or the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But notice, there was something about Jesus that they were interested in. Verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. Then miraculously, verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Totally a Jesus thing to do again. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. That's Simon Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Interesting thing about this part of the passage is Jesus is so kind... And he's so patient with these two men who are walking away from him. That he engages them when they're walking away. And he's so patient and he's so kind, not forcing himself on them, but he's inviting them into a conversation. And as the conversation unfolds, they invite Jesus, and Jesus accepts, but they invite Jesus into their home to spend more time, to share a meal, to commune with him. Jesus is so patient with us because our hearts can be so fickle. 
And I believe one of the reasons why he's so patient with us is because he's well aware of the way that we were made. And the way that we were made is all of us, in the words of a philosopher from hundreds of years ago, that that we have a God-shaped hole inside all of us that only can be fulfilled and filled by him. Only by him. And I, I believe that Jesus knows this. So even in these moments are precious moments because these are the moments that God draws his people or draws people to himself. Perhaps that's what's happening with you right now. You see, we all, just like these two men, are walking away. We don't know exactly how they feel or what's, what all that's going on because I think it's even more complicated than saying disappointed, sad, or confused. I think it's more complicated than that. But they were had a longing for meaning, thinking that Jesus was going to do something. They were searching for meaning, and yet we all search for meaning as well. And if we're honest, we've all searched for meaning in the wrong places and with the wrong people. We've all had moments in our life that we, we have the sting of regret. We've all walked away from people that we shouldn't have walked away from or married the person we shouldn't have married, or, or, or we took those pills that we should have taken, or we spent that money that shouldn't have been spent, or we... We, we, those kids that we should still be engaged with, but yet we've allowed that, that relationship to slip away. Some of us were, were in that car, and we were driving that car, and we should not have been driving that car. Some of us, we used that hotel key card, and we knew it was wrong, but yet somehow it felt right in that moment, but yet you still knew it was wrong. Some of us have a, have a, a memory of a regret because we were messing with the car radio, and tragedy followed after we were messing with that car radio. Maybe it has to do with that night with friends, or maybe it's that job you walked away with, the one that God gave you that he had, that he made you for, and yet you walked away from that job because it got hard. And because you didn't see all that Jesus was doing, that he was patiently walking you through that situation with those people, refining you to be like himself. We've all searched for meaning in wrong places and with the wrong people. And because of that, I believe this is true as well. Whether you're in the room or you're listening online, I believe this is true. We would all like to reverse something from our past. We would all like to reverse something from our past. There's, there's something that we've done and we just, we just want to be away from it. I want to press into you with this, not just information, but it's something that truly can bring about a transformation of your life. It's this. Jesus knows that you crave meaning, but he also has made you. He's, he, he's given you a life that has meaning, and we only find meaning in Jesus Christ. Our lives will, will only find meaning in Jesus Christ. And the reason why I know this to be true is what Jesus himself said in John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Because it is Jesus who reverses the curse of sin in your life. Here's what I mean by reversing the curse. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, what he meant was, it reverses the curse that we read about in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 
reverses the curse also that Jesus came to bear our sins in his body on the tree that, that we might live to righteousness. Or the truth we find in Romans 6.23 that says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, I want to let you know this. We're all destined to have a day to where we're we're in a hospital room, perhaps, to where the only thing that is heard is the sniffles of friends and loved ones the silent prayer of of a believer or believers in the room, the beep from the audio or the beep from the, the audio connected to the medical equipment, or if the room is really still just the drop from the IV that's going into your arm. We're all destined for a day like that or similar to that. You see, Jesus reverses the curse we're all destined to die a physical death, but yet we, we don't have a period. Whether you're a believer or you're an unbeliever, there is no period when you die. There's always a semicolon. And that semicolon, you either go one of two places. The, the one place that you can go if you know Jesus Christ and he knows you, and you've repented of your sin, and you've confessed that you're a sinner, you've admitted that it was your fault, the situation you're in, and you've confessed, and you've just asked him to save you from your sins. That person, the semicolon, that person's going to heaven for to be with God eternally. All the, the hope that you long for is going to be fulfilled with him in heaven. However, there's another group of people, people who've denied Christ for their whole life, people who've even sat through Easter services just like this. They've heard the truth of the word of God. They've, re- they, they've rebuked God. They've turned away. They've rejected the truth of God's word. They've rejected the surprise of grace that is offered to them. And that person, the semicolon, and that person is destined for a real place called hell where there is no turning back, there is no, let me get my mind right, let me get my life right, let me, let me right my wrongs, it's over at that point. Your eternity is set by actions that you take in this life. But the actions you take in this life determine where you spend the rest of your life when you leave this earth. Jesus reverses the curse of your sin. Three things, then I'm through. Jesus reveals himself when you least expect it. Some of you just came to service today. It's Easter, and you're like, I should be here. It's Easter, and, you know, and I, I should go to church today. I, I'll feel better if I come to church today. That's great. That, hey, I'm not knocking you. And yet maybe what you're expecting and maybe what you're surprised with is maybe God is stirring something inside you that you didn't expect to happen. And it's a good surprise. Because on the other side of that surprise is life change. It's, it's a life that is fulfilled and has meaning. It's what, what the, the Old Testament prophets would call shalom, this peace at an internal sense. Jesus reveals himself when you least expect it, but also Jesus reveals himself when you most need it. And we need it. And I know this to be true. Jesus reveals himself in his time, not ours. I remember when I was 21 years old, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have a spiritual heritage of people being faithful to the Lord. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, both of us, 
we were the first. And God has used that, used our influence. I'm still praying for family members to come to know Christ. But I remember when I was 21 and I, I, I didn't first fall in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus' people and they were so loving and kind and I just wanted to be around them and I didn't know why and I didn't know doctrine. I didn't know Holy Spirit. I didn't know, I didn't know much of anything other than my own brokenness. But I remember being in that church, audience left, and I remember I was just going to church because I was, I just, it just felt good being around those people. And God stirred in my heart and just moved. I didn't know any theology. I didn't know Bible stories. I didn't know anything other than I was a sinner. I needed a savior. His name is Jesus. He died for me. He resurrected, proving that he was God. I knew those things. I was overwhelmed by the reality of those things. And I stepped outside the aisle and I came right to the front in a puddle of tears. And God changed my eternal state on that day. Forever changed. Do I still make mistakes? Do I still sin? Do I still struggle? Do I still have sadness? Do I still have disappointment? Do I still have confusion? Do I still have doubt? Do I still do the wrong thing? Do I still sometimes say the, the, say the wrong thing? Or not say the right thing? Or do the right thing? Absolutely. But eternally, there was a shift. I went from being an enemy of God to being part of the family of God. And I didn't make myself family. God made me family. And when God accepted me into his family, now he's still walking me through all these things that I do wrong. But yet I've been so surprised by his grace to meet me in every aspect of my life. Whether it was the, the high points of hopes and dreams or the low points of crushing loss. Jesus has been in all of those. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to invite you to, to come to know him today. If you don't know Jesus in a personal way, this is in, and if you're being moved right now, maybe you just, you just feel something different. This is the time for you to respond. This is the time I believe that God is moving in your heart right now to make a decision to follow him. Turning away from your selfishness and turning towards God. So as you stand now, I, I, I want to invite, when we start singing, I want to invite, if, if God's stirring in your heart to come forward to accept Christ, please do so for you. If you just need to come forward for prayer and just say, maybe you've gone off track and maybe I just explained all those things that I still struggle with and maybe there's a couple of those on your list that you haven't brought to God recently or at all. And maybe you just need to come to the front and just say, Jesus, I've done these things. Please forgive me. Maybe even you're a believer and you've done those things this week. Come back. He's faithful, he's just, and he's loving. He will cleanse you of all of that unrighteousness, and he will wipe your slate clean. May you be changed today. May you meet the Jesus that I met at 21. May that be true of you.